Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. We're talking a little bit about faith over the last uh, few weeks, and I'd like to unpack the journey of, of faith a little further this morning. And, uh, and the way that we're going to do it is we're going to talk about the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, which seems, may seem a little strange to you, but um, you know, the Ark is, was, is a very important piece of, of, of the history of, of the Jews and, Eve, and of us. And uh, you know, the Ark, the covenant, you know, it contained a few things. It contained some manna um, that, you know, that, that God provided in the wilderness. It contained uh, uh, Aaron's rod that budded when they gathered all the rods of the, tribe, of the leaders and, and uh, his budded as, as to, be the, to be the priest of the nation. And it also contained um, some of the law, the Ten Commandments and the tablets. So it was this, for the people of Israel, it was a symbol of faith and also of God's presence. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, there's much to be learned about the ark. And I don't know if you've read all the stories, uh, uh, you know, you know, through the Bible, obviously, as you've been reading through the Bible this year, you would have already passed that point. So, so I'm sure obviously you have, but we're not going to talk about what the ark, um, the, once the ark was built today, we're talking about how the ark came about. And I think there's so much to learn, um, you know, in how it came about. And, and last week we said this statement, we said, faith puts the intellect in possession of truth, which reason cannot grasp by itself. Faith puts our intellect in the possession of truth that reason cannot grasp by itself. And I think that the action of this faith is, it comes when we take time to, to meditate and to contemplate and to consider the mystery of Jesus Christ. And I left you with this question, will you take a step toward him today? And I, and I hope that you'll join with me this morning as we take a step in the direction you know, of faith today because we, you know, we, we get caught in our, in our minds and in our reason framing what faith looks like for us and then inflicting it on those around us. And I don't know about you, but I think everyone should have the same faith that I have because mine's obviously straight from God and um, sounds simple, doesn't it? But the, the reality is... You know, God, he, he speaks to each of us. He speaks to us through his word and through his spirit. And he speaks to us as we, as we contemplate him and he illuminates scripture to us. And, and, and we walk in that revelation. So this morning, I want to introduce you to three men and, and obviously the Ark of the Covenant. And the three men, one of them you'll know well. His name's Moses. One of them you'll know reasonably well. His name's Aaron. And the other one you may not know. And his name is Bezalel. And, uh, you know, they, these, are, these are the... Three men in the Bible who had an initial encounter with the ark, but in three different ways. On the mountain, Moses learns how the ark's constructed. And then Moses gives those, uh, he gives those plans to Bezalel, who's a talented man, who's, who's an artisan, and he builds the ark. And then as soon as it's built, Bezalel hands the ark on to Aaron, who maintains and ministers around the ark. So three, three men all involved and all have an experience or an encounter with the ark, and, and, uh, but in three very different ways. And I just want to suggest to you this morning that you know, the ark, it, it wasn't God. It, you know, it, was, it was almost worship, but it wasn't God. It represented God's presence. And I think that the, you know, this morning what we can do is we can use these three men to, draw, to, to grasp an illustration of how God draws us deep 
into the mystery of Christ as we uh, have an encounter with him. And we have encounters with him in, in very, very different ways. Let's look at Moses. He was called by God up onto Mount Sinai and lots of things were said. You know, there was many laws spoken. But in that, in that time that he was up there, the plans to, on how to build the Ark of the Covenant were um, delivered to him in that time. So let's read those, those plans. Exodus chapter 25. Starting at verse 10. We'll rip through this because it's lots of detail and, and I love to read fast. It's a good test. And they shall make an ark of acacia wood. Two and a half cubits shall be its length, a cubit and a half its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it and shall make on it a moulding of gold all around. You shall cast four rings of gold for it and put them in its four corners. Two rings shall be on one side and two rings on the other side. And you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. And you shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark and the ark may be carried by them. And the poles shall be in the rings of the ark and they shall not be taken from it. And you shall put into the ark of the the testimony, the testimony which I will give you. Very good. I'm carrying on. Hold your applause, church. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold of hammered work. You shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and, and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at the two ends of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and they shall face one another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat, and you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you, and there will, I will meet you, and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. How's the intricacies? Yeah, thanks, Sean. Beautiful. How's the intricacies of what God gave to Moses? He didn't just say, you know, build a box and make it beautiful. He gave them, you know, he gave them intricate detail on how to do that and where God was, was going to speak to him from which side of it and, you know, there's, and, and, and things that, you know, there, there is purpose in everything that God does and there's intricacy. And, you know, and I think sometimes like Moses, here's the... Here's the the great part of this story sometimes like Moses we receive an invitation from God to meet with him you know and and I, you, you know and that comes in many different ways and and sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't get it but the invitation that Moses received followed by him having to go and climb a mountain now God wasn't necessarily with him as he climbed the mountain, but he was at the top of the mountain. There was an invitation at the bottom and God was at the top. But in between, Moses had to be what? He had to be obedient and walk the journey up to the top of the mountain. And when he got to the top of the mountain, what happened? God gave him a set of plans. Sometimes like Moses, you know, like his encounter with the ark, we encounter God... Uh, how is it in the form of a set of plans to a project? You know, as I read the Bible, I see, you know, it's, it's this grand adventure of people doing projects with God. And I'm always thinking, I just want to sit down and have a conversation with you. But not, a lot of times the greatest way that we can spend time with each other is by doing a project together. 
Have you ever, you know, when you're working alongside of someone, you still get to have the same sort of interaction that you would if you were having a coffee, but you also, there's a sense of achievement and there's, 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 there's worth attached to your relationship. And I love that when God invites us into something, there, there's always purpose attached to it. You know, the relationship is enhanced right alongside the project. And God gives Moses, he gives Moses a, a project, not just any project, but a, a an amazingly intricate project that glorifies God. You know, it's his design and it's this constant reminder to Moses and to his people that that same scripture out of, out of Hebrews 11, that he is, that God is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The Bible's full of it, isn't it? Someone gets a picture, someone builds it, someone maintains it. David gets, a, he gets the plans to the... To the, to the temple, but he doesn't build it. Solomon builds it, and then the next generation maintains it. Not always, you know, and then a lot of times the next generation tends to destroy it, but that's, that's not part of the message today. Apollos, you know, Paul and Apollos. Paul plants the seed. Apollos waters the seed. God makes the increase. Abraham receives the promise. You know, Isaac carries the promise. Jacob has the sons who become the leaders of the tribes of Israel. The great Moses is a reminder that your encounter with God does not end with you. And sometimes, like we'll find out shortly, is that your encounter with God did not begin with you either. See, what happened was it didn't end with the design or with Moses. Moses gets the plans. He's up on the mountain, he gets the plans, and he hands the plans on to Bezalel and his trusted sidekick, Aholiab. Let's read. Exodus 31, 1 to 11. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and in work, in all, into work in manner of work, all manner of workmanship. And indeed, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all of the furniture of the tabernacle, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. You see, sometimes like Bezalel, our encounter with God is by being obedient to what God has asked us to do through somebody else. Which is very humbling, isn't it? You know, Bezalel's, he's the talented guy. He's the guy with all the talent. He's the artist and he's the one who fashions something magnificently. But he has nothing to do with the design. He doesn't hear the design directly, doesn't get it straight from, from the great architect of, of, of the kingdom of God. He hears it through Moses, he, and, and Moses translates from the Lord a set of plans that he must be obedient and build. And then once Bezalel completes the ark, he passes it on to Aaron. It's only just finished, and then he has to give it away to someone else to maintain and to, and to look after and minister around. And there's, uh, you know, there's, there's great wisdom in this part of, of, um, of, the, of the production of the ark because... I don't know about you, but there's a frustration 
when we are in the creative end, isn't there? Because a lot of times we are, we are using all of our gifts and talents to build something that someone else designed and then once it's built, we need to pass it on to somebody else. It's very difficult to walk that journey out, isn't it? Because you know, the, you, you know, it, it's like you're an artist and your whole life is doing commissions. You know, all you do, someone says, I would love for you to paint this. Can you paint this commission? And then, and then uh, uh, you know, as soon as it's finished, you get to give it away. You don't even get to decide what it is. You just get to paint it and then you pass it on. Someone else writes a song and then, you know, and then you deliver that song and then someone else appreciates the song. You're standing in front of the light, sweating it out, just, you know, bringing the amazing gift that God has given you and... Uh, and you don't even necessarily appreciate it as much as the people who, who are listening to you singing. It's an amazing journey, isn't it, around obedience. You know, the obedience for, for uh, Moses was he, he, God said, come up to the mountain and I want to tell you a few things. So he had to climb a mountain, which I'm sure, um, you know, had its challenges. And he had to walk all the way up just to get some information that he had to pass on to uh, Bezalel. To, to create, and then Bezalel would pass it on to Aaron to minister to. And, and a lot of times we are looking for the whole thing to happen in one moment. It's like evangelism. Sometimes we, you don't want to bump into someone in the street, you want to see him saved, healed, set free, and discipled all in that one moment. God's saying, hey, it's about relationship, people. And it's not a one-generational model. It's, it's, it goes on and on, doesn't it? You know, it's, it's Abraham, it's Isaac, it's Jacob. You know, it's, 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 it's all through the Bible, isn't it? It's, you know, it's the apostles, it's the elders, it's the churches. It's, you know, it goes on and on. And we, we don't get to start and finish any project in our generation. When God gives us something, he gives, sometimes he gives you a set of plans for you to pass on to someone to build. And sometimes you've, when you build something, you need to pass on what you've built to a generation to, to maintain and to minister out of. You know, when we, you know, we, when we walk in the privilege of building something for a purpose that is greater than ourselves... We experience a new revelation, don't we? We, we? we grasp the eternal mystery of Christ. A lot of times we want to grasp the relational aspect of Christ, but the eternal mystery of Christ is grasped when we build something and give it away. The Bible talks about a wise man raises an inheritance for his children's children. Why is that? Because you don't even get to see your kids enjoy it. You, you're raising it for a generation that you get to spend very or, or very little or no time with. And when we do these things, when we, when we build things, when we walk the journey for a generation that we don't actually get to, to participate with, we gain a revelation of eternal life. When Christ went to the cross, he didn't just go to the cross for the generation that was alive then. He, got, he went to the cross for all generations because he had an eternal understanding of the, of the vision and the mission that was before him, which was the cross. See, the world celebrates the talent. They say, well, that person's talented. You know, we, we celebrate the actor of the movie, but we don't necessarily always celebrate the script writer or the set designer or the costume designer or the, you know, or the director, all these different people who are, who are potentially behind the scenes. We celebrate the talent. But what does the Lord celebrate? The Lord celebrates the obedience of his people. 
And each of us are requ- require some obedience. And, and you know, the, the Bible talks about, you know, I prefer your obedience than your sacrifice. Because we use statements like, well, look at all the things that I've done for you. And God says, well, that's great, but uh, I've asked you to be obedient in this thing. So from Bezalel, the ark is passed on to Aaron. And Aaron is to be the minister and carer of the ark. So Aaron was going to be, have a constant interaction around the ark at that time because the ark wasn't just sitting in the Holy of Holies at that point. They were, because Israel was moving around, they were picking up the ark and carrying it regularly. So he, he interacted with it a lot more um, than, than in future generations. So he and his sons needed to be consecrated to interact with God's presence. See, each encounter was different. Each encounter that those guys had with the ark, like us, with the, with, with the Lord, each encounter is different and, and was with different people, with different character and with different talents and different levels of maturity and different callings on their life. But the similarity of each encounter was each encounter required obedience and each encounter required faith. Moses just had to go, you know, he had to be obedient and go up onto the mountain and in faith um, expect that God was going to be there when he got to the top. You know, by faith, uh, Bezalel had to, he had to, to take this set of plans that he didn't, hadn't actually seen an image himself. He just had the advice of what to do of each thing and trust that at the other end, what was going to be produced was, was something beautiful. And then when it was produced, he had to, in faith, give it to someone else to maintain and look after. Let's read of Aaron, Exodus 29. And this is what you shall do to them to hallow them. See, he, is, he had to be separated and prepared along with his sons to, have an, to, 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 to be the ministers. And this is what you shall do to them to hallow them. For ministering to me as priest, take one young bull and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread and unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. You put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. And Aaron, his sons, Aaron and his sons, you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and you shall wash them with water and then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. You shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. You shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head and anoint him. This is similar to how I get ready for church Sunday mornings. You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger and and our all the blood beside the base of the altar, and you shall take all the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver and the two kidneys and the fat is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull with its skin and its offal you shall burn with the fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Then verse 15, you shall take one ram. Verse 19, you shall take the other ram. Verse 22, you shall take the fat of the ram. 26, you shall take the breast of the ram of Aaron's consecration and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord and it shall be your portion. 29, the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed in them and to be consecrated in them. Thus you shall do Aaron to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you, whatever touches the altar must be holy sometimes 
you know, we, we're not entrusted with the idea. We're not entrusted with the building. We're entrusted to maintain the promise, to maintain the gift, to maintain the presence, to, to maintain the purity, to maintain the respect, to maintain the honor. And to do that requires preparation of our hearts, preparation of our bodies, a desire to be sanctified, to, to be purified, to be, to, to be holy as he is holy so that, so that when we step into these places, when we step into the ceremonies, we're not stepping into them lightly. We're not stepping into them with, with lax because we do it so often. We're stepping into them with honour and with respect and we never forget that what that represents is the Lord. Sometimes we're not the people who receive the vision or the promise. We're not the people who build the vision, but the carriers and the maintainers of us. And this is a humbling season. It's humbling to carry someone else's vision. It's humbling to, to carry a tradition. You know, traditions can become, can become quite monotonous if we're not careful, can't they? You know, we, you know we, we, we've, got to, we've got to walk this journey. And the way that we do it is we prepare our hearts. We prepare our hearts for the roles because carrying something that you did not image or create can be, can be a burden. The question is today for you, is God's grace drawing you to consecrate yourself? See, a lot of times this generation is about, um, you know, live and let live. Let love be love. We say all these things that, are, that enable us to walk our journey. But the reality of walking with God, the, real, the reality of ministering on God's behalf is that we must consecrate ourselves. We must separate ourselves. We must purify ourselves. And we don't do it, we don't do it for the reward. Remember, we don't, like we said, we don't, we don't do it for acceptance. We do it out of acceptance. Whenever we do something for acceptance, we get trapped in religion. Whenever we do something out of acceptance, we are the gift of God. The interesting is that the, the task of Aaron around the ark was very ceremonial. And I think if we were to, if we were to see those ceremonies today, you know, uh, we would be critical of them probably. We would be critical of them as religious acts and, and we probably would distance ourselves from them. And I think, I think the modern church celebrates that we're, we're not traditional, we're relational, we're, that we're not ceremonial, but we're, you know, we're inspired, you know, that, we, that we, we love the things that, are, that happen in the moment. And, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but there's a reason, I think, that we don't want to be those things out of criticism for the ceremony. We want to be those things because... They are what they are. We don't want to act out of, um, we don't want to walk away from something, we want to walk towards something. And I think, here's the interesting thing with ceremony. Why do we see ceremony as negative? I believe it because the value of any ceremony is not in the ceremony. The value of the ceremony is in the preparation of the heart, not the function of the ceremony. When you approach anything, we take, we're about to take communion in a few moments. When you approach communion as a ceremony, it's, oh, here we go again, another piece of bread, another cup. 
No, it's time, I think it's time we reinvented communion to freshen it up for ourselves so we can stay engaged in the cross. We need, a fre- we need, to, do, we need to do communion 2.0. We need to fresh. We need some new emblems. We need to change the name from emblems. You know, we need to, we need to freshen it up. So it, no, where is it fresh? The freshness is not in changing the ceremony. The freshness is in preparing your heart to step into that place. Because redemption is always what you need. The cross is always the door. The issue is not that, that they've become, uh, become boring or monotonous. The issue is that we uh, are looking at them through our intellect, intellect not in faith. When we look at those in faith, we, we challenge you each Sunday. We say, let us examine ourselves so that the Lord may highlight those areas of our lives that we must surrender to his redemptive cross. That's where the freshness is, people. Don't hate the ceremony. Don't hate the ceremony. Prepare your heart to step into the refreshing. It's like having a shower every night. Don't hate the shower. You know, it's a cleansing place. You know, every time you step under the water and put soap there, you know, it's amazing. You, you get out and you feel clean and alive and fresh. You know, the Lord provides these things not to bind you but to liberate you. He doesn't provide, the, he doesn't provide this, this ceremony of communion to bind you or to, to lock you into a religious act. He provides it as a regular space. Let's get liberated. Let's get clean. Let's get fresh. Let's take anything that's binding us and lay it at the foot of the cross. Where better to lay your sin? There's no better place to lay it. Prepare that. Look at those things. Read that. Go, through, go back through that and read, read what happened, happened to Aaron and to his sons to prepare themselves to be ministers. To minister around the having, you know, to, to encounter the presence of the Lord or the representation of the Lord, which was the ark. Let's not neglect what we step into when we, when we look at things like communion. We, we gather for many reasons, but the, the core of it, the core of why we gather is to, is to acknowledge that moment and surrender to that moment and to, re, to re-engage to restore, to refresh, to rebuild, to, to, you know, to underpin those areas of our faith that, that, um, that sit in the foundation of what Christ provided. Aaron needed to be consecrated and separated for the ministry. Why? Because the problem is rarely in the process. It's in the approach to the process. Problem is not in, in what we do, it's in how we approach it. You notice when a, a chef makes a meal, you know, go out to dinner, a chef makes a meal, you know, they don't just make a meal, but they, they give such respect to the meal that they, they make for you, they, pl- they, call, they plate it. They do a little squiggle of this and a little squirrel of that, and you know, sometimes they need to put the squiggle on that because it's so little on your plate, they've got to put something there to make it look like there's a decent meal on there. But everything in the process is respected, isn't it? So we get caught and go, I like this part of church and I don't like that part. Of, I like this part of my faith. Or I like this part of the Bible and I don't like that. You know, when we, when we are obedient to the Lord, we say, Lord, I don't understand that part yet. In fact, it, it, it really upsets me. I don't know why that was said in the Word, but I am in submission to you, Lord, and I ask that you keep unpacking 
and illuminating me the truth and the wisdom of what you've said. God gave the vision to Moses, the talent to Bezalel, and the maintenance to Aaron. It's interesting because each experienced the mystery of God in different ways. But without each other, let's look at what happened. Without each other, Moses had a dream. Bezalel made a piece of art. And Aaron established a tradition. And what happens when we look at the church without looking at it generationally and outside of the promise of God? We just see people who, we see dreamers. What's that dreamer doing over there? We see people who are, you know, who are, who are, who are just making nice art. Or oh, that's a lovely song. I don't know if it's got anything to do with the Lord, but it's a beautiful song. Or we just see tradition. That, have, that you know, We say, oh, that tradition has got, no, there's no value in those traditions anymore. Let's get rid of the tradition. God says it's time to broaden your, it's time to broaden your perspective of not only of history, of, but of my story. Because my story has a beginning and my story has an end. And guess what? It begins with me and it ends with me. And guess who's in the middle? I am in the middle. So what we do, church, is we, when we, we respect that the promise was given to Abraham, we respect that Israel, the Jacob who became Israel, you know, fathered the sons who were going to lead the, who were going to lead the tribes. But what about Isaac? Sometimes we're an Isaac generation, aren't we? We're, we're a link in the chain. There's not much said about Isaac. But there is no Jacob without Isaac. Sometimes we are, we, are, we are such an important link. It's not going to be, there's not going to be books written about us. There's not, you know, there's not a lot of stories around Isaac in the Bible, but forever the Lord is referred to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sometimes we, are, we, sometimes we receive the vision, the promise. Sometimes we carry the promise or the vision, and then sometimes we Walk in the promise or the vision. Don't despise the season that you're in, church. Don't despise what part of the, the vision that you're in. Don't despise it. If you, if, you hear, you know, if you hear a word from the Lord and you pass it on, you know, you know, there's a, it's almost like you know, you're disappointed when they, when, when they, how they receive the word. But then God is doing business with them. He's having an encounter with you to receive and to deliver. He's having an encounter with them to, to, to build and to, to, to bring their very best for something that they will never get to keep on their own. And then sometimes he's called you to make, you have an encounter as you maintain something that's already in existence. You carry it. You carry the promise for a season. In faith, we hear, we build, we maintain. Not for the for the sake of the idea, not for the sake of the beauty or the ceremony, but for the journey into relationship with our Heavenly Father. That's why we do it. Every one of those men had a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Which, which relationship was better? Wrong question. Every one of them had a relationship with the Heavenly Father, full stop. We're always comparing relationships and comparing connections and encounters and all these things with the Lord. And the Lord's saying, I want, to do, I want to do life with you. And depending on who you are and what season you're in, I might speak to you. I might give you something to build through somebody else. And I might give you something to maintain. The key is that 
see the season that you're in and look for the encounter that or the invitation or the or the thing that God's called you to build and 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 don't just see it that as something that's going to begin and end with you see yourselves as part of something greater as part of something that isn't just for your generation that is eternal let's pray Father, we come before you this morning. Lord, in faith, Lord, we step into our own season. In faith, Lord, we step into your invitation. In faith, Lord, we, we embrace the call to obedience, to build something, to maintain something. Lord, open our eyes, Father, that, that we would see the call that is on each of us. Lord, help us not to get distracted by the beauty of somebody else's call or the ceremony of someone else's call or the maintenance or the access of someone else's call. Lord, we just want to be enraptured by your greatness. We want your name to be lifted up, Lord. Lord, may we be invisible and you be visible in all that we do, whether it's in hearing, whether it's in building, whether it's in maintaining. May you be what people see when they look at us. And as we come before your throne of grace this morning, as we, as we step around the communion table, Lord, we just ask Lord, that you would remind us of those areas that we need to surrender to your redemptive cross in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.